0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. Our text for our sermon is Isaiah chapter 35, verses four through seven. Tell those who have a fearful heart, be strong, do not be afraid, look, your God will come with vengeance. With God's own retribution, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unplugged. The crippled will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. Waters will flow in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The burning sand will become a pool and the thirsty ground there will be springs of water. This is the word of our Lord. One of the funnier songs, in my opinion, that has come out in in the last century and since the turn of the millennium, was by a Canadian singer, Cor Blond, it's called Hard On Equipment. He sings about his cousin who never uses the right tool and, and just rigs things up inappropriately. And the, the main verse, the chorus line for that says, well, it's vice grip for pliers and pliers for a wrench, a wrench for a hammer, hammers everything else. It just don't seem to make much difference. I sure do like him, but he's hard on equipment. Song talks about grabbing metric wrenches and standard wrenches on metric bolts and rounding them off and everything else. That that reminds us. When you know what the right tool is and you don't use it, it usually creates a problem. The Israelites, when they were enslaved in Egypt, they knew what the right tool was. They knew they were stuck. They knew they couldn't deliver themselves and they cried out to God and did God come and deliver them? But then when they get out into the desert and the same God who had sent those plagues and parted the Red Sea and destroyed the greatest army at the time, the largest army at the time, they didn't believe he could possibly give them bread and meat. We fast forward many years and in those through generation after generation, instead of turning the, to God, the true God, they would turn to false gods for whatever they wanted. They were using the wrong tool. It made a mess out of things. It violated the covenant, made it Sinai. It violated the first commandment. So God uses the prophet Isaiah to finally say, you keep insisting on using the vice grips as a hammer. You're doing the wrong thing. So, for the northern kingdom, in Isaiah's lifetime, they would see Assyria come and haul them off. And Isaiah prophesies for the southern kingdom that's Judah, that's where the temple in Jerusalem was. The Babylonians were going to come and they were going to destroy everything. Now, Isaiah also gets to specifically name the Persian king that would allow them to return and rebuild as well. But ultimately, what about those Israelites who were using the right tools? The ones who did repent and turn to the Lord, the ones who remained faithful to God. Was it fair that they be hauled off into exile? And so it's through the prophet Isaiah today that the comfort was given for those who would repent or those who, were, who had remained faithful to know what you and I now in the future can can look back and see the Jesus has come to save us. Jesus is the tool needed. They would know that the Savior was still coming. So let's get into our text. Verse four in the Hebrew, a very good translation of that is, say to those whose hearts are racing. Have you ever been up at night worrying about losing your job or something like that? And in the stress of the whole thing, your heart's just pounding and you can't sleep? Well, imagine when the Assyrians come marching in, and you know they cut off the right thumb so you can't use a sword against them, and they cut off an ear just to mark you as a defeated person, and then haul you off. Or imagine being Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being told that they have to uh, that they have to violate the first commandment, or else they're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. Gives you reasons for your heart to race, right? Now, today maybe we would run off and, and, and I'm and get a doctor to prescribe us a medication to deal temporarily with the anxiety or, or whatever, and I'm, I'm in no way condemning chemical imbalances and the need for that. But, but just like they did then when our hearts start racing, we often can turn to the wrong tools. Isaiah says, say God says to Isaiah, say to those whose hearts are raising, racing, be strong, don't be afraid, behold your God. Now, he says, be strong. He's not saying, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Buck up and deal. This is actually Hebrew poetry, which does not translate into English. And you've got to take the whole thing in one chunk. Be strong. Don't be afraid. Behold. Notice, look. Your God. It's not find strength in yourself. It's look to your God. The Hebrew name used there, Elohim, one of the most common names for God in the Old Testament, comes from the root for strength. Elohim, the plural saying, this is your triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working for you. And he is strength. He's all powerful. He's all knowing and he's present everywhere. Don't turn to the wrong tools. Don't run off and and, and, and expect things that, that aren't designed to do what you need. When things like this cause your heart to race, immediately turn to God. Keep your eyes focused on God. He is your strength. Isaiah continues this poetic line by saying, vengeance will come. Recompense from God. God himself will come and deliver you. Isn't that interesting? The Israelites facing dictators who are coming to defeat them as God's chastening rod. What happens today when dictators are oppressing Christians and things like that? It's not for the Christians to try to kill them. God says, you leave that to me. Now, lots of times when you have cruel tyrants and things like that, God has a way of taking care of them in a way you and I never could. And even if he lets them live to a ripe old age, if they do not turn to the Lord for deliverance, they're going to spend an eternity in hell. Believe me, no matter what revenge you plot, it would you can't do that. And in fact, the idea of revenge, as much as we like to see people get their comeuppance, often is not very Christian. It's not very loving, is it? But one of the great acts we forget in God's uh, recompense, in his comeuppance, if you will, is how he takes, for example, a guy named Saul who's studying under the great rabbi Gamaliel and he's zealous to prove what a Pharisee he is and he's hunting down Christians. Actually, was at the presence of many of them being stoned to death. And then God stopped him and made him the apostle Paul. Isn't it amazing when God takes our enemies and makes them part of his bride, the church, makes them our brother and sister in Christ. That's not the kind of recompense our sinful nature would think of, is it? Their comeuppance is often to make them believers. And so, for example, the apostle Paul in Antioch, would, on his first missionary journey, would be drug out of the city, and himself, who had held the coats so the men could have their shoulders freed to stone the first Christian martyr, Stephen, he himself would be stoned. But God would keep it from killing him. And he would get up and finish his first missionary journey. Then he'd do a second. And then he'd do a third. So God himself will come and deliver you. We cannot help but to see the real tool we need when life is throwing its worst at us, when our hearts are racing, when people are persecuting us for being Christians. God took on human flesh for you and I. And God who took on human flesh for you and I to save us is also ruling over creation for us. He comes with his own comeuppance. Jesus is the true tool we need. So Jesus Christ has come to save us. Leave the comeuppance to him. He's the right tool there. Verse five continues, then opened will be blind eyes and deaf ears will be opened. Then the lame will be leaping like the deer and the mute tongue will shout for joy. In our assigned gospel lesson, in our pericope for this Sunday, which is Matthew chapter 7, verses 31 through 37, we see one of the many times that Jesus directly fulfills this prophecy. In verse 35, we're told of the man who, uh, who, who, was, who was deaf. And if you're deaf, if you've been deaf your whole life, you can't speak because you can't hear the sounds, right? So we're told immediately the man's ears were opened, his tongue was set free, and he began to speak plainly. Now, God blesses science and doctors and stuff like that. And, and we've seen in my lifetime, people who have, were born with a hearing problem, they couldn't hear, and, and they're able suddenly to hear the voice of those around them. But they still have to be trained how to speak. You do this when you're a child. There's a real miracle here. There's no, this isn't like the guy had some wax in his ears and Jesus managed to unplug it. The fact that this guy speaks plainly testifies to the miracle. Jesus did miracles like that to demonstrate He is God taking on human flesh to save us. And the miracles, besides the word of Jesus himself and his testimony, the miracles were showing the people. Don't look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the false teachers. They validated that Jesus was the Messiah, God taking on human flesh to save us. And after he did that act, died for us and rose again, he sends his apostles out. And when it says the lame will be leaping like a deer, well, we see an, a fulfillment of that in our supplemental lesson, which is Acts chapter three, verses one through 10, where, G, where Peter and John are at the temple and they look down, and they see that guy who's crippled. And, and, they, and we're told in verse six, but Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I will give you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Peter took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately the man's feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood up and began to walk. He entered the temple courts with them, walking, jumping, and praising God. The New Testament hadn't been written yet. It was literally unfolding before people's eyes. And God gave the apostles the ability to do miracles so that, to validate the fact that the message they had about Jesus was the correct message. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, all the zealots, they didn't have that. And here we see again a literal fulfillment of a miracle that was meant to validate. Yes, Christ is the one to put your faith in. He's the right toolbox. He comes to heal. But let's admit it. There would never be deafness and blindness. There wouldn't be things like COVID if it wasn't for Adam and Eve falling into sin. And so there's a spiritual fulfillment of this, if you will, that that Christ truly fulfills. You see, because of Adam and Eve falling into sin, when our parents conceive us, we are missing something. We are missing that holiness of God. And so we call what we have our sinful nature. And that sinful nature is a slave to sin, death, and the devil it will not listen to the good news of salvation in christ it's like the stubborn person going la 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 i'm not listening to you it cannot see god's grace it cannot see god's love and therefore it will never make a decision for god therefore god sends believers like the apostle peter and john he sends them and they get to share that message and then they can't they can't do the miracle The Holy Spirit works through that message to enter a heart and give birth to the new person And then the person is free from the ravages of sin. Certainly our bodies still deal with it. Christians get cancer just like unbelievers do. But the Christian knows in the next life they will end up being given a glorified body and they will be given the new heavens and the new earth free from the ravages of sin. But by having that new person, you now have what God meant for you to have. You have that new person that is connected to Christ and alive in Him. So Jesus comes to save us. He's the only tool that can do this. Not even our works can do this. He comes with his own comeuppance, literally, and you're in my case, making us his brothers and sisters. And so he comes to heal from the ravages of sin. And I just want to point out Virtually every week I have people call me with uh, stories uh, of how they need money. And they've never stepped foot in my congregation, they, my church. They don't know. And oftentimes you can especially see right through these stories and recognize, if I give you money, you're going to buy drugs or alcohol with it. And when you tell them nicely, no, silver or gold, I have none. But I, wait, wait, they cut me off. Oh, no, I don't. How dare you? How dare you tell me about Jesus? What I need is money. And that's why churches exist. Really? God didn't give our church a money tree that we can go pluck things off of. The reason why congregations exist is to share the good news that God has become a man and done the work for our salvation. And yes, then we look out for each other and take care of each other as family. But when people think that the purpose of the church is simply to throw money at problems... That's the wrong tool, isn't it? No, Christ has come to heal from the ravages of sin, which includes our total misunderstandings of, of, his, of his word and, and, and even why his church, exi- the bride, exists. Verse The second half of verse six continues. Yes, waters in the wilderness will have been caused to burst forth. Dry creek beds will have been caused to burst forth in the desert. Indeed, the parched ground will become a pool of reeds and the thirsty ground into a spring of water. And in the habitation of jackals, its resting place, an abode for stalks and papyrus reeds. Water is life. We understand this in Wyoming, especially in our very dry months of July and August. We often get forest fires that pollute up the air. You get sagebrush fires and and prairie grass that catch fire because we desperately need rain. And obviously this summer, because of poor forest management and a lack of of precipitation, we even have, have had pollution all summer long in our air from the wildfires in California. Water is life. It quenches that fire. It puts it out and it gives Life, it it grows the fruits and, and the wheat and the things that we need. Without that hydration, they wither and die. God's word is life. What I have been telling you about Jesus being the savior and therefore the only tool for salvation, that word when spoken to you is the water of life. God's water comes. First of all, his law comes and it rips open our heart, it bakes it and dries it and says, you are damned, you're unholy. And it's only then that our hearts are ready to receive that new person, that are ready to receive the life-giving water. Therefore, God became a man, and God has done the work to save you, and His Holy Spirit gives you the faith, and then that water continually nourishes that new man and keeps him hydrated. We combine earthly water with the word of God. And we literally seal the Holy Spirit in somebody's heart through the miracle of baptism. And because God understands hearing and reading the word of God is, it is great, but he wants us to have even more. So we combine the word of God with bread and wine and we literally get soul food. We get the body and blood of Christ in a way that defies science and human understanding, but it nourishes our soul. As a side note, I want to point out something here. Uh, if you love one of those antiquated uh, translations of the Bible that uh, come out of uh, the, the Reformation and especially the, the end of the, near the end of the Reformation... When they translated this, they didn't recognize the word, and they translated jackals as dragons. Finding then later uh, business manuscripts, things like that, they've come to recognize the word is a feral dog, something like a jackal. And we see that even in Wyoming. When you get around where humans don't live, you find coyotes and things like that where there's not a lot of water. And there the picture is what was not inhabited by man now has reeds and rushes so, so that there is life. Jesus comes with his life-giving water. He doesn't just save you once. His word constantly comes and hydrates you and then you bubble forth like a spring yourself because full of the glory of God, the love of God that that you now have because of your new man, that love for God comes out of you and the love of God comes and you show love to your neighbor and you get the privilege of sharing the good news of salvation in Christ with unbelievers. You get the privilege of bringing the word of God to your brother and sister in Christ in high them as they also get the privilege of doing for you. I get a kick out of that Core blood song singing about the cousin who's always using the tool in the wrong way and the wrong tool for the job and rounding off bolts and everything else. How often do we turn to the wrong things in life? And certainly like when you have cancer, yes, God gave us doctors, be good stewards of that, but don't trust exclusively in the doctor's. If it's God's will, he'll bless those doctors. And if God sees that as a cross that he can use to hydrate you and serve for your good, the doctor's work might not be what God has in mind. And so in everything we do, we turn to the right tool. Some people will use the law to try to motivate Christians and and to try to force people to love. The law always condemns them. The law is a tool, but it's meant to dry up and crack the heart, the hardened out of the heart so that it sees it's dead. It's the life-giving good news of salvation in Christ that removes sin and gives us salvation. And so we see the right tool is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has come to save us. He comes with his own comeuppance, And in your and my case, the blessing is that was to make us his brothers and sisters. He comes to heal from the ravages of sin. And so you and I are forgiven and alive now in him. And he comes with his life-giving water that has created your new person and keeps you alive in him. Amen. Now may the God of hope fill you with complete joy and peace as you continue to believe so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.